encouragement, I hope. And uh, it's great to see so many young people just interested in the things of the Lord. That's an encouragement to me. Hopefully you've also been an encouragement to each other. I just don't know that I can stress enough how helpful it is to have like, good Christian friends uh, to encourage you in your faith. And you have a great benefit that I did not have. Because back when I was your age, <laughs> you know, we would like, you know, write letters and send them on birds. You know. um, but you can like FaceTime and, well, I don't know, whatever you do, but you can, you can text and talk to each other um, frequently and easily. Uh, we didn't have that. Um, but anyway, I just want you to be encouraged. Here's the reason why I want you to be encouraged. Like, people that I went to retreats with when I was 13, 14, 15, like, I still talk to some of those same people to this day. Um, Mr. Josh, like, he and I went to boys camp together when we were 12, 13, 14, 15. I mean, many years ago, all right? I'm just saying, like, we still have those friendships and that camaraderie because it's centered around the Lord Jesus and it helps to encourage your faith, you know, as you're growing and going on in the Lord, it helps to have uh, those kind of people. That's what I want to spend a little time uh, talking about uh, now, this idea of maintaining and holding on to a testimony, like to be able to be a light, to be able to shine in this crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine like lights in the world. Like to maintain that light, to be that testimony for the Lord Jesus, some practical help for that. And it's going to be pretty simple. Uh, prepare like Daniel, progress like Abraham. Alright, so pretty simple. Prepare like? Yeah. Progress like? Yeah. Alright, so pretty simple. Just kind of keep that in mind. Um, the reason I want you to keep that in mind, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to show you something about... Um, that I learned kind of recently, something that I learned kind of recently when it comes to um, when it comes to your testimony. Ephesians chapter five, and then look down at verse sixteen. And uh, can I get a uh, uh, a good loud reader? Yeah. Samuel, you're up for it? Yes. Ephesians 5, 16. Go ahead. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Yeah, so Paul's saying, like, live your life in such a way that you're careful how you live. Why? Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Like, you're living in a time where there's evil days. Like, you are faced with a lot of temptations, a lot of testing, a lot of trials in your faith. It's just the normal life of a person who is following Christ, you are facing evil days. Like, you're like, oh, I'm really tired tonight. I just like to watch a show. So you turn on Netflix and you, uh, you know, you try to pick out a show and you start watching the show and before you know it, there's something on the show and you're like, oh, that's so repulsive. Or, oh, that's like so anti-Christian. Or, oh, ah, just, ah, can't I just watch a show in peace? And the answer is no. Because you're like, 
living in an evil time, like the days are evil. You're like, you know, I just would like to drive down the road to my commute to work and not have to see a billboard with some scantily clad woman. Like, can't I just drive to work in peace? The answer is no. Because, like, you live in a time when the days are evil. It's just the nature of the days. All right? There's evil days. And he's like, redeem the time. Why? Because whatever generation, whatever time in history, there's just evil days. And you're going to go, be going against the flow. It's a, it's a up current swim, like constantly. All right? So he's like, that's like the normal Christian experience. Like, you're going to face evil days. You're living in a time where there's evil days. Well, look at chapter 6. And then uh, I'll need someone to read verse 13. Ephesians uh, 6, 13. Yeah, go ahead. Therefore take up, up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days and have done all to stand. Yeah, so now your list is a little different. He's like, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand when? In the evil day. See, like, what you have is normally just evil days like the normal grind like the normal like you know like pound of like pressure that you feel just trying to be a Christian in the modern in this world right that's the evil days that you're in but every now and then it's going to be punctuated by the evil day that is there's going to be certain times when Satan specifically just targets you bam I mean it's from all sides and it's very acute, uh, very um, uh, intense times of testing, intense times of maybe persecution. Like, by persecution, I might not mean you're like, you know, someone's dragging you out of your house, but I mean, like, maybe your friends are really pressuring you to do something you know you don't want to do. Or whatever it is, like, you, you feel that acute uh, temptation, that acute time when Satan is coming right for you. Right? And it's like, it, it's an evil day. And Paul's like, get your armor on. Those days are coming. So prepare like Daniel. Like, get your armor on. Progress like Abraham. Because, like, oh, those days are going to become more and more intense over time. Like, that, that, that short, intermittent time of testing will become more and more intense over time. So, oh. How did Daniel prepare? Well, you know the verse in Daniel 1.8. Daniel purposes in his heart to do what? Uh, like, so stick a hand up. I need to see a hand. Daniel purposes in his heart to do what? This is not ringing any bells. What's he do? Thank right. But, well, in chapter 1, he's got a purpose in his heart that he's not going to, what? Yeah, defile himself by either eating the king's meat or drinking the wine, right? The idea, though, is, like, Daniel recognizes danger's coming. Like, I used to be hanging out in Jerusalem with all my friends, and we would, like, go to school, and we would learn verses from the Psalms, and it was great, and I, I would win... Uh, Contest for memorizing uh, sections of the Pentateuch, and uh, wow, it's great! And like we would have these festivals, and 
a feast and we would celebrate Jehovah and uh, life was pretty remarkable and Jerusalem is an amazing city and then the Babylonians came and uh, they captured it and then they're hauling me off to Babylon and it's a four month walk and like sometime Daniel's like okay uh, things are about to change I need to make some hard decisions about how I'm going to live because I'm about to be transplanted in Babylon. They're going to strip my identity. They're going to take my name. They're going to change everything about me, of what I learn, the way I speak, the language I use, the all of it. And uh, I need to make some hard decisions about how I'm going to live. So Daniel recognizes the day of testing is coming what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to be in the moment trying to decide. I want to make these decisions prior to the time of testing. I'm going to prepare for it. So what does he do? Right out of the gate, he's like, you know what? I'm going to take a stand for the Lord. Uh, they're going to ask me to eat something that's going to be offered to idols. I'm going to say a hard pass. And whatever the consequences are, I'm going to accept it. So sure enough, they're like, here, eat the best that we have. Meat offered to idols. Daniel's like, no. Instead, can I eat some vegetables? The guy's like, I'm not so sure about that. But what Daniel does is he has decided before the time of temptation comes, before the time of testing comes, what he's going to do. And when that time comes, he takes a stand early. I'll tell you a good story. Um... The reason it's a good story is because it's a bad story. It was a bad story. Like when I was in junior high, like junior high, you're like, what is that? Uh, so seventh, eighth, ninth grade. We didn't have middle school back then, but in seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Like I had a real hard time like living for the Lord. I definitely uh, like to just blend in with all my friends. Um, but I was convicted by it. The Lord was convicting me. He's like, you need to live for me, and I'm like, I don't want to. And he's like, yes, and I'm like, no. Um, he's like, we'll see about that. So what he did was he moved my family from one place to another. Like we moved like three hours away from where I used to live. So I, I started high school, 10th grade. I didn't know a single person. Like I didn't know anybody. So the first day of school, I'm walking into the room full of people. I didn't know a single person. But the Lord was working on me over that summer. And he's like, here's a great opportunity for you to live for me. Like, what do you have to lose? I'm like, nothing. You took all that away. I'm like, so, uh, fine, you know. Like, um, but what the, one of the things that the Lord was teaching me is like, you know, the reason you were having such a hard time living for me is because you didn't take a stand early on. And then it got harder and harder to take a stand as time went on. It's like, now I'm giving you a reset. You don't know anybody. Why don't you try taking a stand early? I was like, all right. We'll see. So, I get to school that morning first day of school like we we were all like waiting in the cafeteria for the bell to ring and we'd all went to we'd go to home room so everybody's like pouring out of buses and cars and into the cafeteria and that was me so I like walk into the front I look around the cafeteria it's like a sea of people a cesspool of humanity and I'm like I don't know what to do or where to go or this guy walks up to me sticks his hand out he's like my name William Gilbert Hearn Jr. I stuck my hand out. I'm like, well, my name is Daniel Justin Weaver. I was like, you know why my middle name is Justin? He's like, no. Like, because the Daniel of the Bible was a just man. 
my parents called me Justin. He's like, are you a Christian? I'm like, yes. He's like, me too. Let me introduce you to some other Christians and uh, you can you know, hang out with them. I was like, thank you, Lord. But what I learned was like, if I took a stand early, it was much easier. Uh, recently, I changed jobs from one job to another. And uh, that was five years ago. So it was like for the teacher induction, this is like borderline hazing. But what they did is like all the new hires, they got the whole district, school district together, everybody is in the auditorium. They're like, all the new hires have to come up to the stage. And so everyone comes to the stage. Well, um, I was talking to like this person beside me. I'm like, why are we going up to the stage? And they're like, yeah, last year we had to do the chicken dance. Ha ha. It would be fun to see what you have to do this year. What the chicken dance? <laughs> so they're like, up on stage, you know, with you know, a dozen other people. And they're like, we're welcoming our new staff. So then, thankfully, they said, this year, we're going to just interview them by asking them one question, who do you look up to? And so they're like, my mom, my grandpa, my dad, my mom, a teacher. They got to me. I'm like, I'm going to take a stand early. Lord, give me strength. Um, I said, I look up to the Lord Jesus. He was the best teacher, and I want to be like him. Well, the best thing about that is, like, afterward, you know, a half dozen teachers came up and were like, hey, are you a Christian? I'm like, yes. They're like, me too. Let's talk about it. Great. I'm just saying, like, what Daniel did was he took a stand early and helped him uh, through the rest of his life. He also had good friends, and I swear I want to encourage you, have some good friends to help you take a stand. Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, good friends that, like, also said we won't eat just like everybody else is eating, but we're not going to because we want to please the Lord. We want to take a stand together. Now, um... Let's look at a couple verses in Daniel that I think you'll find uh, pretty interesting um, and hopefully encouraging. Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. I hope you kind of get the full weight of this because Daniel was probably taken into captivity as a young teen, maybe 14 or 15 years old. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 says this. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. What's the next phrase say? He prayed three times a day and gave thanks before his God. Catch that next phrase. As was his custom since early days. That is, he formed this habit in early days. Now he's in his mid-80s. It's still his habit. Three times a day, I'm going to pray. Even if it's against the law. Because they just signed the law that said it's illegal to pray to anybody else but the king. Daniel said, this has been my habit since early days. I'm going to continue this habit because that's what he does. He, he prepared in advance... Then he uh, has some friends to encourage him, and he's going to stand consistently for the next 80 years, well, 70 years. He's going to maintain that uh, habit. If you look at uh, chapter 9, go to chapter 9 and uh, verse 21. You'll see another remarkable um, instance in his life. This is what he says, 921, yes, While I was speaking in prayer, 
the man Gabriel, who I'd seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me when? At the time of the evening sacrifice. You know the last time there was an evening sacrifice? It was over 70 years ago, before Jerusalem was surrounded by the Babylonian army for two years, and then starved, and then destroyed, and then decimated. But in Daniel's mind, he's like, I remember when I was a child, and we would offer to God an evening sacrifice, and my habit since early days, that is early in my life, I'm going to acknowledge God's calendar, God's timetable, when this is the time for the evening sacrifice, I'm going to be in God's presence. That's plan like Daniel, progress like Abraham. Like, he, Daniel knew that things are going to get hard. And even in Babylon, where there's no sacrifices to Jehovah, Daniel's still keeping track of it 70 years later. He's an old man, but he's keeping track of the evening sacrifice because he's living in God's calendar, God's timetable, God's view of things. Like, that's his reality. Anyway, plan for it. My point is the evil day is coming. Plan for it. Some of you are super young. You are going to be thinking about high school. Plan for, like, can I get involved with a Bible club? Can I start one if there isn't one there? Plan for, like, this is going to be times where there's going to be day of temptation that's really acute. So plan for it. Like, what am I going to do in, like, to handle peer pressure? How am I going to let people know that I'm a Christian right out of the gate? Some of you are graduating high school and you're like, high school is great, life is good, and you're about to go to college. And you're going to get a right hook when it comes to like worldly philosophies, uh, uh, antagonism toward God, and again, like trying to live a Christian life. Plan for it. Like, What commitments can you make now so that you can establish habits so that you can be living for Christ through that time? Like, Plan for it. Uh, I'm gonna pick on some people uh, because you're young. When I was, I remember when I was ten, someone was like, uh, someone was like, "Oh, Nicole likes you," and I'm like, "I don't like her because girls are groups." <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you'll change your mind." I'm like, "No, I won't." That was dumb. <laughs> like you might be young. You might not be in a relationship, but plan for it. What kind of relationship do you want? Like, I want to be married to a godly woman. So, I got a plan for that. It's not just going to happen. I got a plan for that. Like, what steps can I take now so that I can guard my heart, so I can guard my purity, so that I can guard my decisions, so that when the time comes and I meet a godly woman, she'll be like, hey, there's a man that I wouldn't mind being in a relationship with. Because you know who you marry? The people you date. So I want to make sure that I'm the kind of person that she's like, I'll go on a date with him because that's the kind of man I'd want to marry. Right? So I'm going to make those decisions ahead of time. Like, um, I don't want to date someone who's not a Christian. Why not? Who I'm going to date? Who I'm going to like? I'm going to marry a person I date. I want to be careful. 
I don't want to go dating anybody. Worse, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm like, I really like that girl. She's a good, godly Christian woman. Will you go on a date with me? And she's like, no. You make bad decisions. I see the people you date. I don't want nothing to do with you. That's happened. Not to me, but I'm saying. I've seen it happen. Make good decisions now. Like, plan ahead for it. Like, plan for it. Like, how can... Like, if I'm going to date this person, I want it to be with the intention of marrying them. Because why? Otherwise, I'm just lying to them. It's a lie. Oh, I'm going to date you. Why? For fun. Okay? That's a terrible reason. Because you're not taking my heart seriously. Like, you're not taking our future seriously. Nothing about this is serious. Like, we're wasting our time. So, if I can't provide for her and become the husband that God wants me to be, there's no sense in getting into a relationship if there's no point to the relationship. But if there's a good point to it and purpose to it, and she's like, huh, then plan for it. That's my point. Plan for it. you got to plan for this thing. Like, when you start your work, plan for it. Like, what are you going to do when the time of temptation comes and your boss is like, hey, fudge that timesheet. Hey, uh, bend these numbers around. Hey, make our company look a little better than it does. What are you going to do? Just saying, plan like Daniel. Plan like Daniel. Because his life didn't get easier. Like, he took a stand early. He had some friends to help him. But was that the last stand he had to take? No. Because he lived when days are evil, and then every now and then there, were e- there was an evil day. And the various signs of the law, pray to me or go to the lions. And Daniel's like, I picked the lions. It wasn't easy. Eighty. I mean, I'm just saying, like, there were still times where it was difficult. Like, at the end of the book, we don't hear about Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. I don't know what happened to them. Maybe they died. Daniel... Buried his friends. I don't know. Like, the Bible doesn't really say. I'm just saying, there were probably hard days that he went through. Alright. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. Um, how about like Abraham? Hebrews chapter 8. Progress like Abraham. This is what one thing I like about uh, Hebrews. Whenever you hear about the faith of Abraham, what instance, like what one instance comes to mind when you hear about the faith of Abraham? What one shining instance like pops out in your head as like, Oh, that's a great example of Abraham's faith. What is it? That's right, he goes to sacrifice Isaac, right? That's what we think about. But here's what I want you to recognize. That was not the first thing that God asked Abraham to do. God's not like, hi, Abraham, I am Jehovah. Hi, Jehovah, I am Abram. Well, Abram at that time. Hey, why don't you sacrifice your son? What? I don't even have a son. Um, God's going to work with Abraham, and Abraham's going to progress, and God's going to ask Abraham to do Harder and harder things. Let's take a look. Uh, Hebrews chapter 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out of the place when he, uh, to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. So step one, Abraham, I want you to go somewhere you've never seen. Abraham's like, alright, I'll do it. So Abraham takes that first initial step of faith. Then uh, we see in verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to do what? Conceive seed. So here's another uh, step. So God's like, Abraham, I want you to follow me to a place you've never been. Abraham's like, all right, Lord, I'll do it. So Abraham starts that journey. It was not an easy journey. Abraham has these ups and downs, ups and downs. God's like, oh, you're going to have a son. Abraham's like, I'm 90 years old. Nothing's happened here. Like Things are... 
<laughs> Nothing's happened here, God. Come on. You said you promised. What? I'm going to try on my own. So he winds up with Ishmael. But God's like, no, you're going to have a son of promise. So like I said, there's ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. Abraham's 100 years old. Uh, Sarah conceives a son. Anyway, just like God promised, but it's like step of faith. Verse 11, uh, by faith, Abraham, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed uh, when she was old. Now, um, he goes on to talk about that promise, but go to verse 17, another step of faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Like, Isaac was not the first test. Like, that sacrifice wasn't the first test. The first test was, can you trust me to take you someplace that you've never been? Yes. Can you trust me that you're going to have a son? It took a long time, but the answer was finally yes. Can you sacrifice that son to me, the son of promise to me? The answer is yes. But that wasn't the last step either. Keep looking in the chapter, down to verse 17. By, uh, so by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. All right? But that was the last one. Uh, it goes on. Uh, look at what he, he says. Um, uh, verse 20, by faith, Isaac blesses Jacob. Um, sorry, verse 18. Of whom was said, and Isaac, your seed will be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, uh, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So like, uh, 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 Abraham offers up Isaac. The very next chapter, you know what Abraham's doing for Isaac? So the next chapter, uh, Sarah dies, but then uh, 24, you know what he's doing for Isaac? Yeah, he's finding a wife. How's he do it? He's like, I'm going to trust God. So servant, you go back, you go back to the land where you can get a godly wife for my son, and uh, I'm going to trust that God's going to provide, and he does. I'm just saying this is a life of progress. Like, like, it wasn't just one... Remember my friend, I, um, William Gilbert Hearn Jr.? Remember him? We were friends through high school, uh, roommates in college. We're still friends to this day. All right, Still friends to this day. But we're the kind of friends that we don't spend a whole lot of time talking together, but when we do, we like connect like and pick up right where we left off. All right. Usually, uh, what we connect, we pick up where we left off, and um, I'm about to leave, and he'll say something like this. Dan, I love you. I'd die for you. I'd take a bullet for you right now. And I'll say something like this. Billy, I don't want you to take a bullet. I just want you to call me. <laughs> Once in a while. Because, <laughs> like, love isn't always just, like, one dramatic event. You know, faith isn't always just one dramatic accomplishment. It's this, like, life of progress. It's, like, consistent life of progress. And Abraham's, like, learning that. It's like, oh, here's step one, Abraham. Abraham's like, I'll do it. Here's step two, Abraham. All right, I'll do it. Here's step three, Abraham. And the steps are getting more and more difficult, but Abraham has got, he's like progressing. He's like, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. As you are facing things like this, trust the Lord and progress like Abraham. All right. Like I said, not super complicated. Prepare like Daniel. Progress like? Yes, good. And this is why, right here. Can you read my knuckles? Yes. That's right, test. Here's a person who's living in an evil day, like evil time, evil days, right? But when the evil day comes, this person is not prepared. So what happens?
to the time, that evil day, that time of testing? No. Here's a person like Ephesians talks about, puts their armor on, right? They're preparing for the evil day. They're like, you know what? I know I'm going to be facing a time of testing. Like, as I get older, there's going to be times of testing. Like, like mostly like sexual kinds of temptation. Like, as you're going through a certain time. Maybe it's peer pressure to do something or say something or take something. That the, it wouldn't please God. You're like, I need to prepare for this. I need to make some hard decisions now about how I'm going to use my time, how I'm going to live my life, how I'm going to serve the Lord. And when that time comes, when that test comes, when that pressure comes, those times can get harder. Like Abraham, that test can get tougher. But what's that person able to do? Yeah, they're able to stand. They're able to resist. They're able to have that uh, glowing testimony. They don't cave or crush under that relentless kind of pressure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful again for this time we could have at this conference. I just pray that these young people would prepare, uh, like Daniel did, purpose in their heart to live for you, to make decisions now, to live for you, that they would progress, like as you would test their faith and as you would give them opportunity to to uh, trust you, that they would keep trusting you in more and more and more difficult situations throughout life. Lord, we pray this uh, because we want to see your Son glorified in their life. Uh, and uh, So we just pray this in His precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.